everybody welcome back to and of course that bug like right there the minute we come live the <laughs> welcome back wax this on is, wax off gosh, seriously this is our keynote address and you know like i said earlier the beauty of a keynote and the beauty of a digital event is we can do the keynote whenever we want to you know that's that's we don't have to be at the end the beginning whatever whatever everybody works so i want to you know introduce two wonderful and legendary folks in the industry. Phil Adam, who I've known for since E3 was in Atlanta, whenever that was. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna bring up any dates because <laughs> I was six at the time. I'm <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly right, he was. Um, and Phil you were three. Has, <laughs> Phil's been around. I mean, everyone well everyone in the industry i know you from interplay you know and, yep. and so there's a lot and, I, and i'll let the two of you do your do your own intros jason has been with i don't know what have you done dude tekken it's it's a lot of years of experience and although we always try, Phil had a really good point right before we went live. The whole point of us doing the podcast that we do and the webinars that we do and, and this event is to really help people understand the basics of business. And so what you're going to be treated to for the next hour or so, however long they want to go, is why that's important and how you do that to the point that you can be around for 30 years and people still pick up the phone when you call. So with that, Jason, Phil, I'll step back, let you all run it and enjoy. Hey, appreciate it, Jay. And Jason's glad it's going longer than an hour so he'll have a chance to talk too. So <laughs> uh, the, uh, you know, I've been in the industry for going on 40 years. I'm Phil Adam. Uh, I founded a company in the early 1980s called Spectrum Hollow. Before that, I did Lisa training. I did, uh, I worked with a small computer store called Computer Connection. We signed and did Apple and IBM national accounts with Petro Lewis. And I went to Apple's in the early days and, and I trained people on Lisa project. Uh, but in 83, I started a, a video game company, Spectrum Holobyte best known for uh, Tetris. We were doing Falcon and other flight simulators and stuff. From there, I went on to Interplay. And at Interplay, uh, I was the vice president of sales and marketing. I went on to be senior vice president of uh, business development and, uh, and then later president. Uh, I've done various consulting gigs in between time. I've been involved in bringing helping bring various products to market, the, the Parallax guys with Descent. Uh, I met originally the Naughty Dog guys and brought them to our sister company, Universal, uh, without doubt, BioWare. Uh, I worked with a young company called Silic Silicon and Synapse that became Blizzard. And so I've been involved with a lot of startups and companies and helped get them into the business as I learned it myself. Um, and then you know, over the years, I've been chairman of the board of the SBA. I even served on President Clinton's Technology Council, and we got the V-chip in every TV. So I don't know that I'm smart, but I've been involved in a lot of things and experienced a lot, and I'm happy to share with you. And now I'm happy to share my cohort in crime, Jason Enos, as we work together at, a, the, at Intellivision. 
Hello, everyone. Thanks for uh, joining uh, today's uh, keynote session with us. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to, uh, to be here. And, and thank you, Jay and Dan, for the hospitality. Uh, but uh, I'm Jason Enos. I've been in the industry uh, over 25 years. Um, and uh, during that, that course of my career, I've, I've sort of uh, sort of embraced the, the notion of, of being more of a, uh, a generalist, um, but, but still taking the time to become a specialist in a lot of different facets of the organization and the publishing world and, and the development world. And I, I, I just loved uh, this industry so much um, that I that I it wasn't I wasn't satisfied enough just to see it from one side or one dimension. I wanted to go down the path of of of, of trying this path and then and then saying, okay, now I want to see how how that that relates on the other side of the coin. And so I, I've I've really um, you know sort of positioned myself over uh, you know this this multiple decades of my career by by having these different touch points and and over time uh while yes i've been very successful i've worked on um you know the top 10 industry franchises you know my 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 uh, portfolio is everything from the metal gear solid series to uh bringing dance dance revolution uh to the west which we'll talk a little bit about uh later um but then things as as far as like leading our casual division at at, at ea uh, and then working on arcade games, working on uh, puzzle, working on brand new genres. So I, I, I've kind of been able to have a vast repertoire, but also at the same time, see it from different uh, points of view. So, you know, a lot of times we all struggle with, uh, you know, different, different departments or different folks having uh, different views on what we should be doing. And sometimes it's, it's hard to step into the other person's shoes. And I wanted to be that person that could understand both sides. And once you understand both sides, and we'll talk a bit about this today as well, you can really uh, just have so much more power in what you're trying to do and ultimately probably do even more above and beyond what you could have done if you'd only approached it from one direction. So excited to be talking and, um, and happy to share a lot of our stories. That's great, Jason. I think when you look at it, you know, we sit there and we said, We'll share our successes, but I've personally learned as much from my failures as I have my successes, maybe more. You know, sometimes something you do right, and, and the very first title I ever did became a number one hit uh, called Gato. It's a submarine simulator, and it took out Flight Simulator as the number one product on Billboard magazine after almost three years. And almost got a false sense of security that I really knew what I was, was doing. What we did is we had a great product. You know, it wasn't too hard to be number one with only three products on the market. But uh, anyway, I still took pride in it. Uh, you know, it, it was timing. Uh, we came out with it and featured it on the PC Junior because there was no other game for the PC Junior. So we got magazine covers. So it's timing and opportunity. But the key is finding content, relationships and partners. It, at the end of the day, you're looking for partners that that match your goals that match your passion uh, like what we're doing in, in television right now we're looking for people with common interests common goals of bringing family gaming back and so the most important pieces of content and partners to us are people that that share that vision and i've been fortunate enough to 
work with the likes of, 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 of Naughty Dog, Jason and Andy. I met with them in their apartment in Boston and I was at Interplay at the time and we, it didn't really match our strategy at the time for their original title, but I introduced them, we, a 30% owner of Interplay at the time was uh, Universal. And so we introduced them to Skip Paul and Universal and they signed Naughty Dog to a, a multiple, multiple product deal. Eventually things like a little title like Crash Bandicoot came out of that. So you, it doesn't maybe always fit your strategy, but maybe within the group. Jason, what do you got on that one? Yeah, absolutely. I I, I certainly, um, obviously, for the people watching, I mean, you know, Phil and I, our world right now is is largely consumed by in television. And, and what Phil said is absolutely true in the sense that we're, like many of you watching, we're we're in that that same boat of you know we have a you know we have a company strategy, we have a goal, we have audience that we're trying to serve, and we want to obviously do the proper handshake with with content and partners that that also uh, are part and parcel to you know the the virtues of what we're trying to do, and also would at the same time supplement and support ultimately uh the content that we want to have on on our platform and 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 broaden our portfolio and so uh you know you, you're always in that that mode of um you have to keep your eyes open you know you want to find uh things that that are natural fit um you know and and you you probably have a better chance at at finding things that feel more natural than to try to force something um you know just to, for the sake of saying hey i got this now and I think the same way as as Phil sort of explained, you know, the the Naughty Dog situation, you know, sometimes these things happen, you know, a chance encounter somewhere or, you know, going over to someone's apartment in, in Boston. You know, you don't know what you're going to find on the other side of that of that tunnel. But, you know, that's part of the business development landscape is not only, you know, understanding okay, these are the these are your targets. These are the things that you want to find or that you want to have. But then it's also keep you know getting yourself out there um, so that uh, people see uh, and that you see things that exist that no one else has seen yet. And and so that's another that's another key part. Yeah, you, you've got to look. You know, on New Amsterdam, I love this TV show, and the the guy who runs the the hospital in New York always says, "What can I do for you?" In business, I like to think of what we can do together, you know, what we can accomplish together. And whoever I'm dealing with, whether it's a, a, a licensor, a developer or whatever, it's how, how are we a team? Uh, signing a deal or negotiating a contract is only a very small portion of the story. You, you need to look at making sure they're incorporated in with your development people, with your marketing people, with everybody involved, you need to make sure there's good communication. So egos out the window, out the door, it's about a team accomplishing like goals. You meeting their goals, you you know, them meeting yours. And that's always a key to me in finding the right kind of content and partners um, where you enhance each other. And, you know, and I'll, I'll jump in here and tell kind of a brief, a very brief, brief version of the story of, of finding content. So w when I was at Konami, uh, you know, very early days uh, of joining, you know, I had sort of been monitoring what was happening in Japan with this whole explosion around music gaming. 
And this was this was really before it had, it had ever really even shown up here in the States. I mean, there might have been one or two software uh, releases in the States at that time. But I had previously worked also in the music business. So I kind of came in with the lens of like, okay, there's lots of people who love music. There's obviously a lot of people that love games. And now that we're getting to a point on technology to have a better fusion of the two, we'd have an opportunity to carve out either a new audience or appeal to basically a larger audience of folks. And so here, you know, I'm at Konami and, you know, at that time, I mean, they were just crushing it over in Japan. I mean, they basically had, you know, the de facto great music game experiences. And so, you know, Dance Dance Revolution being one of those, those crown jewels, you know, I, I, I was, I basically said to our, you know, U.S. office, we need to bring this out immediately. We need to build a plan. This is going to be huge. And, and, and so I'm kind of finding content within our own portfolio uh, that, that everyone else just sort of had written off. And surprisingly, the U.S., uh, our executives and senior leadership, they, did, they just didn't think that there'd be any way in hell this thing would be successful. Why would anybody play this? Guys don't like the dance. You know, girls don't really play games. I mean, it was kind of those stereotypical views, but they were sort of missing the larger point, which was that music's universal. This is a game that's actually very accessible. It's something that's very approachable. It's something that actually does invite both, uh, you know, sort of, you know, genders. It also brings in music is a uh, multicultural thing. You can bring in lots and lots of different people into it from young to old. And so I was seeing this huge thing, but I had to basically spend way more time than you think it would take to bring something like that out to just get the company to to give it a chance and and it's it's exactly the same kind of thing about finding content sometimes and and this is one of our other you know sort of important messages is that you know keep keep in mind that somebody else's trash is very much someone else's treasure oh, and no no question jason that, that's a great point and I was just going to add to that just by saying, here's a perfect example where, you know, D Dance Dance Revolution went on to being, you know, millions and millions and millions of units sold worldwide. And yet the, at, the, at one point in time, the company didn't even want to give it the time of day and, and, and largely would not have been here in the West had I not just kept pushing and not giving up. I was ready to basically risk my credibility, risk my job, put every black poker chip on the table and and risk it all because I believed in it. And sometimes you need to have that level of, you know, perseverance and willingness to take it that far. If you really believe strongly in something and and you see the the, the merits that no one else is seeing, that's a sign and you should run with it. Um, it doesn't always work out to, to, to Phil's earlier point, even if it doesn't. You probably learn so much in the process. You probably gain so much more insight going forward in the rest of your career and other endeavors that you, you know, that you find later on. And it might help you get better perspective in finding those treasures. But well, well, yeah. you gotta be willing to do that. Thank you for Dance Dance Revolution. It, you <laughs> let me now you let me now keep up with Travolta. So yeah. <laughs> Right. Anyway, right. but it, it's funny how different things like that work, different opportunities. I remember when uh, Jeff Braun over at Maxis came and saw Gilman and I at Spectrum Holobyte and showed us this thing called SimCity. 
And it looked pretty good. We liked it. We wanted to do it. And uh, then they said, we've got this jet fighter simulation. It was a real simple jet fighter game. And we were doing Falcon, an F-16 flight simulator, very serious. And it didn't match our portfolio. And they wanted us to take both. And, and we were a small company and we couldn't do it. Uh, it, was, it was too much and probably good for them. Um, but I kept a good relationship with those guys. They understood why it didn't fit with us at the time. Uh, I moved on a few years later down to Interplay. And there was a thing called the CD-ROM and multimedia came about. So I went back to Maxis and said, hey, you guys are doing a PC version. What if we added a bunch of video, added other things, made it a multimedia product? What do you think about that? They go, great. We have no interest. We don't want to spend the money. We did a deal and we brought out the CD-ROM multimedia version of SimCity at Interplay. And of course, a few years later, EA bought Maxis. And of course, then they had to back, buy back the sales rights from us at Interplay so they could produce in, in the product. So you don't want to, you want to make sure that, that you kind of keep those relationships going. One other example of a, of a game that I think people didn't take very serious was a little game that, that uh, I looked at in the, in the mid to late eighties called Tetris. Uh, I was in London and Jim McConaughey, the, the head of our Mirrorsoft, which was our UK division, uh, says, Phil, I, I got something to show you. And he showed me this game that had just some blocks falling. There was no scoring system. There was nothing else. And he says, I think this could be a good tabletop game. You know, we, you know, with 495, something cheap, we just throw out there. And uh, they all went to dinner and I said, I'd join you in 15 minutes. And the next morning they came in at seven o'clock and I was still playing. And I said, guys, it's more than a, a parlor game. This is something unique and special. And it's kind of funny, John Cook, if you know him from bad management, worked there. And uh, Eugene Evans, who is a senior VP uh, at Wizards of the Coast or whatever, was there that night. And I said, Jim, we got to do this. This is the latest potato chip of the video game world. You can't play it just once. Every time you play it, you get a little better and a little better. And then I took it back to, to Gilman on the development side. And he says, well, let's add the music and the scoring system. And we added a lot to it to make it into something unique. And I think at one time, it was one of the largest selling games of all time across all platforms. D different business opportunities happened. I showed it to a guy named Ron Judy in the back of a limo at CES in Vegas, uh, who happened to be the president of Nintendo Europe. And that got them started on it. And, you know, so, you know, then it became part and parcel to uh, what would be good for the Game Boy. And, uh, of course, I didn't do the deal. There, there's another business story in itself with the whole Tenga Nintendo thing many years ago. But you've got to make sure that you, you find the right content. And other people said they wanted Tetris, but we kind of had a deal wrapped up before they could look at it because we responded quickly but I don't think they had Gilman and I's vision of what it could be. Certainly Hank Rogers did. We showed it to him in, in Japan and Hank ran with it and has done incredible things. So uh, uh, again, that was somebody else's trash. That was certainly our treasure and the world's treasure. 
And yeah, I mean, that's still, I mean, it's such a fascinating story. I mean, I love when you talk about um, the Tetra stuff because, you know, uh, obviously growing up, you know, at that time being when the Game Boy launched, you know, that was really my, you know, first entry into Tetris, although there was still tons of history way before it ever showed up, you know, on the Game Boy. Um, and so, you know, having the opportunity to work with you now and uh, hearing, you know, a lot of those behind the scenes, uh, you know, stories and just how it all kind of pulled together it could easily be a book, could easily be a movie. Um, and uh, I think for a lot of people out there, you know, this is now the biggest, most ubiquitous game of all time on pretty much the most platforms of any game ever released, period. And it's amazing to see that, you know, someone knowing someone in the industry that was at the impetus of all, all of that next to Alexi, who basically created it. Without question. It's so funny. On the business side, you really need to understand your conviction and how what conviction you have on your business points. When I was negotiating with uh, this officer, uh, in Moscow, and he had the two soldiers behind him with the equivalent of whatever the Russian version of an M16 is standing there. You go, how hard do I really need this business point? <laughs> it makes you think, and it's a good thing that I was naive and raised in Missouri. I didn't know any better. But sometimes in business, naivety is the key to success. When everybody else thinks you can't do it, but you believe you can, it's that driving passion that sometimes makes it happen. So how do you beat the odds, so to speak? So I think we've kind of covered yeah. the, that, that side of it pretty well. Uh, what's our next slide, Jason? Yeah, so yeah. Can... So I was, I was going to turn you know, some of the conversation now to, you know, especially for some of the folks that you know, might be tuning in, uh, you know, whether you're just starting out uh, in this business, or, you know, you've, you've been in the business for a while, maybe you've got some content that you've built, maybe you've got some game ideas that you're trying to either get other people to take notice, or that you're trying to basically get interest from others to make your games more relevant or, or, or bigger footprint, you know, how do you really do that? You know, when you're basically this, you know, kind of small fish in the big pond, how do you navigate it? You know, how do you get traction? How do you get people to even listen, pick up that phone, um, you know, like to what Jay said at the beginning? So I thought we'd talk, talk a little bit about just some of our own lessons and just some advice um, in this in this area, because it does apply to everyone jumping in. And even to today, Phil and I, being in television, we're also sort of somewhat of the new small fish in the larger industry pond. So everyone goes through this, no matter. I thought where. that was Microsoft and Sony. That's us. <laughs> Shoot. <Yeah. laughs> <Tag> on it. <laughs> yeah. Is this shark week? No, um, I, I, I don't think so. <laughs> and don't, and don't get me wrong. You have to have respect for these people and the success that they've had and what they've accomplished. And we're going up against, it, it, it's really not competition in our case, because we're kind of going after a, a different market, but we still, are fighting for shelf space. We're still fighting for attention. You go through all those things. And we certainly feel that the people that can buy in television Miko will be people that already have those systems or buying their new systems. I certainly have their systems and, and don't intend to not play them, but this is a different kind of system. So how do you, how do you compete as a, a smaller fish in a, in a big pond? Uh, Jason, I've got a couple stories, but if you want to kind of kick it off, you're welcome to, or I can dig into a couple. Yeah, no, not uh, sure, absolutely. Um, 
Well, I, mean, I think one thing, you know, to, to keep in mind, and, and we see this in organizations every day, you know, when you, when you've got a giant juggernaut of an organization, you know, tons and tons of resources at your disposal, tons of financial dollars available to be spent. Um, we all see that it's not always a well-oiled machine. There's lots of infrastructure. There's a lots of, you know, maybe difficulty to be agile and move fast uh, or to anticipate a market trend or different, uh, you know, when things are zigging left, you should be zagging right. You know, it's, it's not so easy when you've got this giant ship that you're steering. But when you are small and, 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 and whether you're a startup or you're, you know, a two-person team, five-person uh, agency just getting out, out, out there, you know, to kind of build up some business. I mean, the fact is, is that you're going to put every hour you've got um, to do whatever it needs to be done. If you need to go upside down, left, right, turn around 360, 180 degrees, like you guys will be able to pull it off a lot faster. And, and, and that becomes an advantage. It's also a disadvantage in some ways. You don't have all the dollars that the big companies have. You don't have all the legs and bodies that the big companies have. But, but when it comes to trying to appeal to a partner or appeal to a developer or, or to sort of position yourself as why they should go with you as opposed to the big company or someone who's maybe more established, it's like, look, I can give you a lot more attention and care that I will take every day in and out way beyond, you know, maybe what the, the bigger, you know, machine would do. And it's not to say that the big machine can't do a good job. It's just that you're not the center of, of, of focus. You're not, you're not the thing that drives them every day to do what they said that they would do for you. And, so and Jason, Jason, are you saying I can be a, a bigger fish in this little small pond? Can I? I'm, I'm saying that, like I'm saying, the little the little engine that could can very well be the big engine that gets you to the finish line. Is the is the is the point uh, without being too metaphorical? But um, I, I mean, that's a big word for me in Missouri, metaphorical. But I'll go with it. I'm going to look it up on the internet. Oh, Phil. Uh, but you know, it's ultimately how do you self set yourself apart? This is this is a this is business 101. At the end of the day. You know, competitions everywhere, whether it's at an individual level, at a corporate level, at a developer level, you know, uh, your platform that you're, you're supporting, whatever, you're always going to be pitted against the realities around you. And it's how well you, you know, either take it in stride, position yourself, challenge the competition, do something different from the competition, reinvent yourself if necessary. You know, all these things, are, you know, it's again, it's about perseverance. I, I mean, I, I, I tried not to use too many cliches here, but, you know, if you get knocked down, it's how good you get back up and keep pressing. And this is exactly the point. It's like when you're a small fish, you know, you could just sit there and, oh, wallow me. I'm a small fish. Nobody, nobody, you know, talks to me. No one knows me. Well, yeah, sure. Play that out and you're, you're going to be in the same boat. But you should just continue to push yourself out there because that's what the best business development, you know, folks do is that they just, they just get back out there. They keep looking for content. Okay, this door shut. For now, it's shut. But like, let's go and explore these other doors. And eventually, if you do what you're doing, and if you do it right, the ones, the doors that were once shut, will be a lot easier to walk through and open in the future. It's just you've got to start building some small wins. 
You got to start believing in what you're doing and how you can read what's happening around you and, and better position yourself so that you're not just viewed as the small fish. They're like, well, you know what? He might be small. He might, or, you know, they, these guys or these, you know, this team might, you know, not be, you know, the, the, the household name yet, but I really love what they're doing. And they they've got some, they've got some, you know, skills up their sleeves that the other folks don't have. And you need to exploit that. You're, you're, you're building your credibility. And I, I always have a, a, a little story I tell. I say, I'm actually, I don't take good enough notes to lie. Uh, because at the end of the day, if you don't take good notes, six months later, you'd have to remember what you said. And I, I could never do that. I actually do have a pretty good memory, but you don't have to please everybody. You have to say what you believe. And I have kind of one general rule and probably two or three out of you out there will say, well, that didn't happen for me that way. But I try to get back to people within 24 hours. I try to, if, if somebody says, hey, can you call me tomorrow? I go, no, I can talk to you in two weeks because I've got this and this and this going. Be, be straightforward with people. Uh, build your credibility. Uh, I try to answer everybody within 24 to 48 hours. And if I can't, I'll shoot them a note and say, hey, can, can you ping me in a couple of weeks? I'm buried right now. Uh, it, it's it's not hitting my barometer or whatever. And for this reason, and, and being straightforward with people, building that credibility. Uh, and one interview, and I forget who it was, it was probably my hometown newspaper in Monroe City, Missouri of 2,500. But it, it was, what do you do better? Or, or what, what's unique about you? And I say, well, I think I say no pretty well because I don't procrastinate. I don't sit there and string somebody along for three months and then say no. Up front, I say no pretty quickly, uh, you know, or whatever, or yes, uh, because ultimately people get on with life. And I've had a lot of people come back to me with another product idea a year later, basically going, hey, uh, you know, you were straightforward with me. I figured I'd give you another shot. I'd, I'd get in there and, and pitch this to you again because they knew I would be straightforward with them. They knew I would be honest with them. Plus, they wanted critiques of how to better pitch or sell their product, but they knew they'd get something very unique or straight from me. So I've always tried to or pride myself in that. I mean, I didn't always do it, but I learned to do it from experience. Yeah, just to add to that, I mean, it's a little similar theme, but you know, some a lot of times I'll participate in panels about you know how did how do you get into the video game industry, and and you get a bunch of people up on the on the panel, and and they all start talking about their personal stories, and I think for a lot of people in the audience, you know, there's this sort of this view like oh, there's just this one there's this one magical path to get into the video game industry, but then we all start talking, and you quickly realize that. Every single one of us has a different way of getting into the industry, which makes it more fascinating. But one of the things that I always kind of center back around, and, and it's, a, it's a key thing that goes beyond just getting a job in the industry, it's, it's just you know, even how to manage life, is a lot of times, and, and as surprising as it, as it might sound, the big difference between somebody getting the job, not getting the job, someone getting that second date, or even a first date or not getting a date or someone who's, you know, going to get called upon uh, to be given a chance to do something. A lot of times it really comes down to being the person that just shows up. And I, I, I know it sounds crazy, but you know, this day and age, 
these types of things of, you know, getting back to someone in 24 hours, uh, doing a follow-up, uh, doing a, you know, a thank you for taking some time or even being willing to sort of ask someone to take some time. I mean, if you don't ask, you know, you're not going to get a yes or a no, but just being the person that's willing to ask, being the person that's willing to do the follow-up, being the person that sends, you know, a letter, uh, you know, if people still actually write letters that they, but it actually does, these little things do make a difference. And sometimes, you know what, I went with the person who was consistent, kept following up, seemed interested. Pleasantly, you know, with, pleasantly you know? persistent. You got yeah. it, Jason. Yeah. It's, it's so funny. I always say the only stupid question is one that you don't ask, although I've asked a few that were right on the edge. But if you don't ask, you don't know. You know, you can't sit there and, and feel guilty about not knowing something. And when you build your own social network of people in the business community, usually there's somebody you can go to who can has experienced that, that can advise you or share their experience. And any experience I share with somebody doesn't mean I'm right or wrong. It's just something I've shared that they can collectively take into their decision-making process. And I hope it helps them. So if you're going to go out and ask, you've got to be willing to share. One quick story, a guy many years ago when I was president of Spectrum Holobyte uh, called me. I didn't have time to deal with him during the day. It was a hectic day. I don't know what was going on. So I gave him my home office number and I told him to call me at 10 o'clock at night. He called me at 10 o'clock that night. I spent about a half hour with him answering his question. He was starting to start up a company. I can't remember who it was. He said, gosh, Phil, you've helped me so much. What can I do for you? I says, well, 10 years from now, when you're successful or you've done something right and somebody asks you a question, give them a half hour of your time and you'll have paid me back in spades. And, and that's kind of what sets us apart at Intellivision is that's the mentality we have. We work as a team. There are rock stars across the board, but there's none. Everybody contributes. Everybody takes pride in working together and going to people to find an answer. Because if I can't get it from one person, I can get it from somebody else. And everybody pulls together in making things happen. And we've got so much to lean on in that group that it's just it's a privilege to work with a group where you, you have that. But you have to create your own inner circle. And I have an inner circle inside and I have an inner circle outside that can always help. Jason, what do you got? I'll, I'll give a very, just a very quick story. It'll be the, the ultra, ultra abridged version. But, you know, the way I first got into these in this industry, I was I was 14 and I managed to get a job uh, working at Sega. Now, the, the, the thing was, is I was not applying for a job. I was not looking for a job. There was not a job that Sega was hiring for a 14-year-old. I'm, I'm calling the labor boards, just so you know. Yeah, exactly. It was actually technically not allowed. But uh, <laughs> the difference or, or what happened was, is I wrote the short version. I wrote a letter, not about a job. I just wrote a letter expressing my enthusiasm for everything that was happening. The Genesis had just come out. This is 16-bit days, the beginning of the early 90s. I wrote a letter expressing my enthusiasm. They loved the letter. Uh, again, I took the effort to write a letter and send it. I sent it to the president and they loved it. They called me and they said, we, you know, we just really identify with what you said. We love your enthusiasm. We'd love people. We love people like you. Would you like to work for us? And that all happened on a, on a five minute conversation at you know, the age of 14. And it, it was a life changing thing for me. 
and really uh, is really why I'm here today in this industry. But I'll tell you what, that experience uh, and being able to to sort of sit behind, you know in front of all these amazing people that were working on games at the time, you know, uh, folks and executives like ourselves now. But seeing that at an impressionable age of 14, it was life changing for me. But I tell you, there's not a day that goes by that I don't constantly remember my roots and how I got into this industry and look for ways to also pay that forward with folks trying to get in, folks that you know uh, have done maybe something but want to do a maybe a pivot change and go into a different aspect of, of, of the business. Uh, I mean, I try to make myself as available as I possibly can to spend the time, volunteer, do things like this, sit on panels talking about how to get into the business because it is so important. And uh, you know, as Phil said, uh, you know, if if I pass that torch to someone else, and if if they ultimately pass that on to someone else, uh, you know, I feel uh, I feel humbled just as I'm I'm paying my respects to the folks who brought me in when I was 14. So um, it's something that never leaves me, and I agree with everyone that you, everything you said about um, the team at Intellivision. Uh, uh, you know, we all have our our own. St- strengths and our own legacies but you know we check a lot of that at the door um because we all want to do amazing things for amazing people we have one goal one passion i think that's the key that, that tommy brings out in all of us of all striving to do more than ship a video game console but to bring back a way of life that was missing in in the families being together although families have been together we would have loved to have been out this year but uh, it's uh, it's tough trying to bring this out with everything going on. Yeah. But we will endeavor to bring out the best quality product we can and supply you with the best possible content. But we but we have a blast doing it, and yeah. we we have our good days and our bad days, but mostly good because we're striving toward one goal as a team. And I think I do want to thank Sega for making the move and hiring you, Jason, because uh, this industry wouldn't be the same without you. Wow. Uh, I wouldn't be the same without you in negotiating Don't deals cry, today dude. at television. So, <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, we wouldn't, I don't know for the dynamic duel, but we, we'd like to tell each other that. So what the hell? Yeah. Let's well, move to, uh, another, let's yeah, move to another yeah. slide when and we get a chance. But go yeah, we're going, yep, absolutely. And I, and I, so, so we kind of touched a little bit on, you know, kind of small in, in the new in the world, but like, let's now go to the other extreme. So, maintaining your relevance you know this is something even if you're small this is something that you always have to be doing throughout your career unless you want to officially say i'm done you know with this business and i don't see myself being in it anymore then maybe you don't have to to sharpen this this pencil every day but but this is so key to anything that you're going to do whether you're on the licensing side content acquisition uh business development marketing the actual game development, whatever side you're on, you're not going to be effective at it if you don't know what is going on out there and you yourself have lost your relevancy in in the, in the place in the, in the industry that you work in. So let's talk a little bit about this. And um, I think it starts, you know, I think, Phil, you said in the, maybe in the beginning or maybe it was before we jumped on this, this, uh, this conference that, you know, you, you kind of uh, the, the last time you did a session or something was a, a pretty long time ago. Yeah, I used um, to speak at three or four conferences a year. I mean, we did the uh, we did the fireside chat things with Clinton and went around speaking about the V chip. And I used to speak at game 
conferences, E3, CES, uh, and everything. And I told Jay before we started, uh, he brought me out of my speaking retirement of close to 15 years. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's really just kind of the mode you're in and, yeah. and you have to stay relevant. I mean, yeah. it's like uh, with me being uh, almost 50, uh, even though I have a 47 year old son back in Missouri, we start early. We uh, we grow help. We don't hire them. Uh, but I think the the thing that we do is you have to stay out there. Yeah. Uh, you know what? We all put on our pants the same way. We all we all endeavor to succeed and do our job the best we can. And you do that by staying relevant with the people you need to do business with, with the people that are coming up. It doesn't make any difference if I've been in the business 40 years and somebody's been in it 10 years. We're trying to build a partnership to success. We're trying to do something together. And whatever experiences I have, I can bring to it and they can too. So staying relevant, staying out there. Maybe I didn't speak at conferences, but I went to all of them. Exactly. I stayed connect, connected to my social network. And um, I, I always surround myself with people. You always say you surround yourself with people that, that know more than you do, at least who know and shine in areas that you may not mm -hmm. to make yourself better. Yep. And as long as you have no ego and don't worry about that, uh, it's not about taking credit, people. It's about getting the job done. It's about making it work. And we've we announced today earlier at our press conference from television some pretty impressive partners and that Jason and I contributed to as well as others. But we did it representing in television and what we represented. So we always say to the guys behind the scenes and the hardware guys, they're doing amazing things. We're just out letting the world know how amazing they are. We just get to, to, to bring out the good news, so to speak, or deal with the bad news. And then we blame, and then we blame them. So, um, I'm going to, I'm going to speed up a bit just cause you know, I know time and I want to make sure we get to the next section, but you know, one of the other key things in this area is I'll just touch on very easily. And this is, I know this is business 101 for a lot of you, but it's so important, especially in the entertainment industry is, you know, never burn your bridges. Uh, you know, even, even when things don't go eye to eye with some folks that you work with or your old boss or you know, whatever it might be, you know, always try to find the best way to amicably, uh, withdraw from the situation. Doesn't mean that you, uh, you know, still don't have your, your gripes. But you, you know, you don't, you never know when that person ultimately is going to be the person that makes a huge change, you know, in the rest of your career, and 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 that goes from, you know, an actual job all the way to a, a potential deal, to a potential piece of content or a game that you're working on. This is so, this is so critical, and I know it becomes harder and harder to do as we move into this, you know, society that we're in, where you know it's very much a quick impulse reactionary type of thing, but do your best to try to uh, navigate that uh, and stay clear. But let's, let's kind of move into the next one, which is really kind of a nuts and bolts of this whole thing, which is tools of the trade. Um, and, and it's so hard for a session like this to give you in 50 minutes, the Bible of, you know, there's the roadmap of everything you should do, but we're going to try to touch a little bit about these very quickly. 
Yeah, and I think, Jason, you did a great job of getting this down to bullet points rather than dissertations, or we would have <laughs> never gotten through. And, and Jason and I laugh because I'm I'm the key to brevity, although I do talk a lot. And Jason really likes to plug away, but I think we both have our own style. It's actually what I think makes us work well together. But this is exactly right. Things that work. Having similar goals and business basics with who... Uh, who you're talking with, who you're who you're engaging, uh, you know, you can have go after several licensees and what's just the best fit for your company. Well, it's a lot easier to do business with people that share your goals and your passion for what you're doing and the chances of being successful is better. Also, balanced relationships tend to work better, too because you have respect for each other, you share the workload, you share the risk, and you share the goal. And that's kind of what you need to sometimes do to be successful, uh, you know, and, and understand your audience. You know, when I go into a business relationship, a business meeting, I do a lot of research. Jason spends three days on it. I spend about an hour. Uh, the uh, and then I look for him to talk the most and I still talk more. But I think what you do is you really understand what makes them tick, what what works for them. And you make sure it works for you and explain or, or and ask questions. Um, too many people talk too much. I can even fall prey to that at times. Ask my wife. Uh, but uh, I think that ask questions. Uh, I. I partially wrote a book for Montgomery Wards years ago as a commission salesman called QFAB, question, feature, advantage, benefit. Stop and think, ask a question, talk about the feature, what the advantage and the benefit to both parties. So you break it down to 101 and, it, and don't feel bad about that you have different experience level than the person to talk to. Ask questions. Most, I learned a lot from people when I first got in the business because most of my peer presidents were pretty full of themselves. I'd ask them one question and they talked for an hour. And I, so I learned by listening to the greats and I'm not gonna say who they are after I, I prefaced it with that situation, but, uh, uh, but you always learn a lot. And sometimes I consider myself a teacher. A teacher learns 90% of the time to be relevant. That's the only thing I wanted to add to it. Uh, Business Basics 101, Jason, well, I mean, I just think on basics. I mean, obviously, the 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 under the the core foundation of you know solid ethic, uh, background, um, the way you conduct yourself, um, you know, courteous, you know, consistency, you know, dependability. I mean, all of these 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 qualities are 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 key and part and parcel to whatever industry that you're t we're talking about. This, this could be the conference for. Fortune 500 companies and, and business basics and ethics is so critical. Um, but, you know, uh, to what, you know, you just touched on, Phil. I mean, yes, sometimes we work with amazing mentors uh, as we go through our career and, and you draft off as, as so much from them and, and they're, it's so inspiring. But I'll also say, you know, in my own career, you know, I, I once had a boss in the music business, which I won't also name. Um, and for any of those out there watching this, if you've ever seen the movie Swimming with Sharks, it's a movie about the entertainment industry. My boss was very much like Kevin Spacey in that film. And, uh, you know, basically there's, there's this egomaniac, sociopath type of crazy person. And 
obviously I learned I do not want to be like that person, but I, I still learned some things from that person because it showed me the exact person that, that I don't ever want to become. I also don't ever want to work for another person like that again. And I could easily see how, uh, you know, there's a lot of poisonous people out there and it's important that you align yourself as best as possible. You can't always control this, but as best as you can align yourself with, again, folks with similar goals, folks with similar ideals, folks that similar passion. These things all do make a difference in helping steer your, your ability to be more successful. So let's, let's kind of table that now and go into things that don't work. And, and some of it is kind of the opposite of what we just talked about, but obviously a mismatch in expectations can sometimes create, uh, you know, obviously frustration along the way, but it can also sort of unravel, uh, you know, things just in a much deeper way. A perfect example is if, you know, uh, we see this all the time, a publisher versus a developer. Developer is thinking it's going to be X, Y, and Z. Publisher thinks, well, you know, no, it's going to be this, this, and this. They don't actually have the same expectations. That leads to problems. Maybe things don't pan out as well as they do. There's other sort of you know, uh, you know, baggage that comes out of that stresses the relationship. I mean, all these things sort of happen, but when you can sort of hit that from the beginning, address that front on, even if you guys aren't on the same page initially, or, or still maybe not on the same page at all, you've at least addressed and come to some better understanding of how we're going to, how this tango is going to work out. And, and that is a key thing. And you should definitely hit it earlier than let it sort of just play out towards the end well being a guy that was involved with tetris and we didn't really have round holes but you, you can't put a square peg in a round hole or you can't put the wrong block in the wrong place or you die i think at the end of the day you you really that, that's a real key is finding people that share your goals i mean I know with me, I joined in television for that very reason, because Tommy Tellerico uh, believed and was passionate in what he was doing. And every single person that's come there is follows that that mantra. We believe we're doing something unique and special. And I've been in the business 40 years and I don't think I've ever believed more that I'm doing more than that society benefits from in bringing people together. In, in a simple format, in a simple way. I've talked to a lot of friends that said, gosh, I would love to have uh, another video game console, but I just can't play it. I like that four buttons. I like that touch screen. I like that I can just play. And I mean, that's what appealed to me about a, a Tetris-like game in the loo. Here we were doing an F-16 flight simulator. It was just, it, it aligned with what we wanted what we were doing and, and where we were at. So finding that mutual benefit uh, in deal making or whatever. And then you have to find the partnerships that help promote making the the product sell to get recognized. And you know, in you know, and and where do we go? And you take a look at experience and what you bring and, and take a look at our VP of marketing at in television, we went to somebody who wasn't from the video game space, but understood brand equity, who understood help making us break the mold, who could go to places we'd never gone before. That's my one Star Trek thing. So that's <laughs> it. And I think I think that uh, that Kara brings something unique to the party. And 
you know, our, our CFO, CEO, he, he really is straight to the core and, you know, or whatever. And Tommy's got that passion and drive. And it's a pleasure when you're all going toward the same thing or, mm-hmm. or, you know, so it's, you know, those are important considerations, whether you're going to work for somebody or whether you're doing your own thing, you know, it's, it's a lot more fun to work with people you enjoy and like, and people yeah. who, who stand up for what they believe in and don't spin a, 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 a tail. Uh, they're passionate about it. Jason. Well, no, no. And, and you, and that's a great segue too of kind of this, this uh, second point about what doesn't work is, is sort of, we put other priorities and you could, and what we meant by that really uh, is, you know, there's a lot of times where you're engaging with another party, you're engaging with a potential partner and, and, and you have, you have your goals in mind, but they might be entirely incentivized in a different way for them it may not necessarily be about doing the right thing. It may not necessarily be about partnering with the right group that shares the same vision as their company. They may be incentivized like, look, I just need to get 10 deals done this quarter and you know, I'm good. And I have, and, to, make, and, I have to make my budget. Yeah. Or I have, yeah, I have to, I have to hit my revenue targets or whatever. And, and, and so, you know, you have to also, you know, have a little bit of um, kind of reading the temperature in the room, being a little bit more cognizant of, you know, situations where not only is there maybe a misalignment um, in expectations, or maybe there's also that disconnect in having similar goals, but you guys are also are not even on the same solar system in terms of how you're approaching this potential partnership from the very earliest stages of development. And when when you quickly get to know that, and, and, I, and I say quickly, it's not something that you're gonna, it's gonna quickly know tomorrow. It takes a lot of time of going through this and kind of and reading and understanding and, 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 and sort of just your gut instincts. But you know, sometimes it's almost better to just say, look, all right, you say this to yourself, this is probably, even though I really would love to engage with somebody like this and a partner like this, they're just not in the same wheelhouse that I need my partner to be in. And, and I know sometimes it's tough to make that call, but that's definitely ultimately the right call to make because it's gonna lead to a lot of the other great sort of X factors and synergies that happen when you've got the right partners that share those goals that wanna be you know, in the front lines, in the trenches with you shoulder to shoulder. Yep. Leonard, Leonard and Penny on Big Bang only work on TV. So, Sign up today for the Indie Game Business Newsletter. It's a weekly source of business news curated for indie dev teams. We've got discounts on all Indie Game Business events and events from all of our partners. You get a first look at the summaries and takeaways from all of our podcasts. There's exclusive opportunities for promotions and early access to new tools for development, monetization, and more. Check it out. Sign up. PowellGroupConsulting.com slash publisher dash list. I, I think that's a that's a good point. It, it it's just so much easier when you're pulling for the the same goals, and you know. So those are the type of things that you have to to figure out. You basically, uh, 
you have to know what you're offering, what they're offering, but you shouldn't stretch your goals to be something they want you to be or to try to do something that takes you off course because you'll spend too much money, too much time. Uh, it's better to focus on what you do and what you do well. And uh, again, I think that's really where uh, you kind of have to know yourself and, and be, yeah, be true to yourself. I mean, it's, it's actually that, that don't, don't be something you're not. That's the other, you know, kind of key point. And again, this goes across everything you do in life, uh, not just business development or games, yep. but you know, it's important that you be honest with yourself and honest with others about what you can and can't do. And people really appreciate and respect that when, when you are real and you will get, more people like phil said earlier that eventually might have passed on you in the beginning or or but they may come circling back at some point and said you know what i know we didn't work out things before but you know you were very you know very true you're very genuine uh, i still got a great vibe from you uh let's get, let's try get, to put something together got me that sim city deal yeah there you go so I, I, you know and i think i think too uh when you're infectious and you're positive and you're driving toward your goals, people want to be part of that. Uh, and some of our licensors and kind of the, the title of the conference is navigating today's business landscape. Part of that was navigating that. How do we get people to buy off on what we were doing and what we are doing at Intellivision? And really it's, it's, it's what you're it's knowing your end game, knowing what you're going yep. after. It's it's, you know, when you start a company, you be well, I hope, you know, uh, I heard a very famous individual sit there and they said, well, why did you build this video game system? And I think this was in the late 1980s. Uh, you know, who was your target market? And the person got up and said, anybody who'll buy one. Well, I'm sorry. That wasn't, and I have to tell you that console was not successful. I think the big thing of it is, is you focus on who you are, what you are, who you appeal to, and how you go get that done. If you're starting a company, know what your end game is. It, it, you know, do you want to, are you looking to just have a career in the video game industry for the rest of your life and you're okay with making a little bit of money and having a nice life? Do you want to sell your company in five years? Do you want to get acquired? Do you want to go public? What is it that you're after? What's your end game? Now, while you have conviction to that end game, the one thing you do have to remember is you have to be flexible. You have to roll with the punches. If I look when I got involved in 1981 in this space and I look at today and how you monetize a product, and what you do. And we've gone through free to play and mobile and this price point. And now we went the video games sold for $60 and then they were $20 and now they're $80. Yeah. And, you know, you know, people sit there and we talk about the, uh, you know, uh, in television or whatever, and they go, well, $250, but every single game, there's no add-ons. It's 10 bucks or less. And, you know, it, it is what it is. And certainly we'll probably make games down the road later on in life that costs more because we put more money and value into it. But I think there's a lot of value in there because of our commitment to bring family gaming back. And, and that's what we're doing and our commitment to bring something unique and different to it. We understand our end game and that's what we're driving for. Jason. 
Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think, yeah, you kind of covered a bunch of these important considerations in that sentence, but uh, I mean, in that statements, um, you know, a couple of things for me was, um, you know, to just hot, quickly touch on is, you know, a sort of internal alignment uh, in a large time is a huge, is a huge, can make a huge difference, especially as you approach a deal. I mean, I think I'll give the very quick example. Um, say, you know, product development wants to engage with a, maybe an outside licensor to, to maybe better um, improve the marketability of a game. Meanwhile, the marketing department or the publishing organization um, also sees value in that license, but maybe the way they want to leverage the license uh, is very different uh, than maybe how uh, the product development team wants to, to leverage it inside the game. Or, quite honestly, maybe the product development team doesn't want, for whatever reason, to go deep into sort of making the entire game all feel like it's uh, you know an infomercial for the license. Meanwhile, the publishing organization, that's what they want. And so uh, sometimes it's, 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 it's so vital to be, uh, if you're going to be involved, if this is going to affect you, this deal, whatever it might be, good or bad, that you're able to be a part of it, but also be able to see it from the different sides of the coin. This is one of the reasons why I said earlier on, I just wasn't satisfied just being in one sort of camp of the business. I really wanted to understand the other sides of the business because it then gave me so much more, not only knowledge is power, but the bargaining power that you get, the ways to see from end to end how you could maybe leverage that deal, that leverage that license, maximize every aspect that you're gonna get. That, that only comes happens when you also make the ask from the beginning with the full soup to nuts view. If you come to make an ask with a license, you sign a deal and the deal terms are X, Y, and Z. Well, at the end of the day, you sign the deal, it's just X, Y, and Z. But you could have probably approached it, and I'm sure Phil would add to this. If you know all the things that you truly, truly want out of it, do it, get the deal, get that same deal, and you get a lot more in store for how you could take advantage and, and build a bigger partnership. But if you don't, if you just stick to your own view, if you don't have internal alignment on how to really make it a bigger thing, uh, you're really missing out on the maximizing potential of that. Yeah, I, it's so funny. I, it, with one of our, uh, one of the lawyers that work uh, for me along the way used to say, I, I, I said something about wanting to take some classes and, and become a lawyer. And, and he said, actually, probably not a good idea because you have a real arbitrator mentality and people would rather deal with you. My job is to protect the company at all costs and get the maximum dollar. Your job is to build not just a single contract, but a relationship where we do many contracts with them. And it costs a lot less and we earn a lot more together by building a long-term relationship. So I think I always look at not just the art of the deal, but the art of the relationship is how I view it. Uh, and uh, granted, I'm 49 and only a couple, another 20 <laughs> years in the business. But, you know, I, I still feel like, you know, your legacy is your credibility. I've often said it's the only thing that I'll take in. And it's the only thing I'm guaranteed to have in my hip pocket the, the last day of my life. And I want that to be intact. I want that to be 
He's incredible. So are you waving bye to me, Jason? Am I talking no, I'm to you? I'm saying your credibility has been cut. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm done. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm, I've canceled it, your it, credibility credit card. No, as you can see, Jason and I have a good time. We yeah. love doing this together. And, you know, we'll come back and say, hey, hey, Phil, here's an email you can shoot off back to him. You were kind of the lead on this. I go, Jason, you came up with the idea. Shoot it back to him. We don't care. You yeah. know, we're doing this together. So ego aside, you're doing it and representing your company who you work for that you have pride in. And you have to realize everything that you promise, your company promises. So don't make a promise you can't keep. And I always say under promise and over deliver. Uh, and I, I strive to over deliver. But when I'm working with the people we work with at our current company, everybody over delivers. And, and you should see the effort that goes on every day and the passion every single person has in the company, which, you know, makes you proud to be part of, of the combined group. Uh, that's what I've got. So. Yeah, and, and just to, to kind of hit very close out these other two points uh, very briefly is, and, and so sometimes, you know, you got all those things and they all click together and everything's great. Sometimes you don't. So, or sometimes you don't feel like you have it. So you always need to assess yourself again and, and look at what you offer versus the competition. And we kind of touched on this earlier, but, you know, you might feel like you are that small fish. You might feel like you're small potatoes, but depending on how you really reassess yourself, how you reassess, reassess the others out there, you might be able to turn your small potatoes into big potatoes just because you're offering something that others don't. And that might be a competitive advantage. I, again, this is a simple ba business basics, but, you know, don't just accept that you're low on the totem pole, find the way to, to move you up the totem pole based on what you bring to the table, what you have. And, and at the end of the day, if you still feel like you're, you're kind of just short of the mark or you need a little bit of extra you know, gas in the tank, that's when you can kind of look at the idea of, well, do I go out there and pay for some brand equity? Do I go out there and, and try to acquire uh, or do a, a partnership with someone bigger or do a partnership with a license to sort of elevate the relevance of what we're doing. Uh, it, again, if it, you know, sometimes you have to do that and that helps sort of diversify some risk and you're also taking advantage of, you know, kind of a larger uh, awareness factor with a, with a partner or a license. And sometimes that makes the right, that's the right decision, but, but don't just write yourself off as um, I don't have much to bring to the table. Obviously I'm not saying you do that, but it's easy to get into that trap when the phones aren't ringing off the hook. You aren't able to secure those meetings to secure these deals. You know, things aren't moving as fast as you'd like. It, 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 it's all part of the way it works, but it, it never will move forward unless you move it forward. So and just just keep being seen. Keep yeah. yourself out there. Keep going. Uh, you know, when you're doing licensing, you're doing a deal. Uh, just remember for every margin or point you give away, are you building relationship? Are you building long-term? What are you gaining? Are you help solidifying the product? Or are you giving away half the profit for no gain? If you're not going to sell more units, if you're not going to, or if the product is something you're iffy about, it probably won't work. So don't fall into the trap that you have to have this or you have to have this. 
have condition in what you are doing and do it the best you can yep. and have a, have a good time doing it. Uh, you know, it's uh, uh, we're awful fortunate to be working in an industry that we have so much passion for. So uh, I think we may have, I don't know if we just got cut off or uh, I was going to say we could go answer all the questions, but I think we've answered every single question for everybody anyway. So there may not be any questions. I don't know. Did we, did we get cut off or? I don't really know. Uh, Dan Long. No, you you're there, still Dan? alive. Okay. You're still okay. alive. There's Dan and Jason. So, yeah, I, I figured I figured there weren't a lot of questions because we answered every single one for the three people we who were so watching sorry. us today. So, um, but we, can't muted, hear, we can't hear you, Jay. You're muted, Jay. Jason. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right, hello. Hello. I hear. I hear. I hear people. So, so we're, I, still, I, we're still live with everybody. You're still live. Perfect. We're still here, and, and I think that is part of it. Is you did a really good job. This is now going to become the talk on watch this or listen to this before you call me. That's the um, <laughs> the, the rule that I'm going to go with. And. So I told someone on the on the server a little while ago about the first time that I met Phil. And see, I've, I've almost finished my beer that I went and got Phil. Oh, um, jealous. <laughs> I was fresh into the industry, 21 years old. You know, my first E3 down in Atlanta, I was completely overwhelmed. I had never seen anything like this. On top of the fact that I was basically in my Mecca as, as a you know gamer. And I have my first big dinner. It was. It had to have either been with Simon and Schuster or Scholastic because they were our biggest, you know, companies at the time that we worked with. Yep. And I, you know, I've got my suit on and I'm at the table and I'm just a bit nervous because my bosses are there. And let's face it, I'm not a formal dinner person, and I'm a little bit out of my league. And there's the guy sitting across from me, very relaxed, very nice, laid back, approachable. You know, I did my whole business thing. I'm, I'm Jay Powell. I'm an agent and I worked with Octagon Entertainment. And so who are you and what do you do? And, and Phil just kind of smiled and he said, I'm Phil. I run Interplay. And I was like, oh, shit. Um, don't, don't tell Brian I said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that may not be verbatim, but that's what I got. It's just like, you know, it, it was probably my first like fanboy moment because i'm just like immediately going oh my god this is like i'm really here with with i'm a real person in the game industry now um but there's a there's a theme that we've heard a couple of times now in the talks that, that we've had and you and jason both you know encapsulate this as well you know larry cooperman said it earlier yesterday uh christopher kasulki with Handy Games and THQ said it, you know, earlier. Phil, you've been one and, and for 20 years. If I sent you a product, you always told me, yes, no, here's why. You know, it, it was never one of those things where we get, you know, it, it goes into a void. And thanks, thanks for saying that I say yes every now and then. You you did. <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> which one at this point anymore, but I'm sure you did. But yes. a, a lot of the stuff that, that you all talk about, it, it's absolutely key. You know, I've got clients to this day 
who the minute we get into a negotiation about their game or a contract or anything, they want to squeeze every dime out of whatever opportunity it is. And on a business case, there's a time and a place, you know, to maximize your deal at the same time. But if you go into every single negotiation like that, people are going to stop calling you, you know, because it, it, it's just one of those that it's not, it, it's not worth the headache. Um, and Jason, I am, after, after listening to this for the last hour, I'm regretting that we've never crossed paths, you know, <laughs> in, in, in the industry. But, you know, the two of you, you know, what you say, you have to be a good human. And that's what I want people to take away from this, folks that, you know, maybe haven't done a lot of business in the industry or, or you're new to the industry. Yes, we work in a billion dollar world multi-billion dollar world yes we do but we all know each other you know it's it, it's if you develop a bad reputation of someone then it doesn't mean that you're necessarily evil but if you're just a, a perpetual asshole to deal with you're going to you know limit your options later yep. on and yep. you know i i appreciate that the two of you you know, you aren't like that. And and those are the doesn't, folks. It doesn't mean we haven't made mistakes or we get busy or whatever. Oh, yeah. But we, you know, I I was speaking at the original 3DO conference in front of at least six or seven people, maybe even 500. And somebody said, what have you learned most from, from all your successes? I says, I have to tell you, I've learned far more from my mistakes than I have from my successes. Mm -hmm. it, it's real simple just don't get caught up that you know everything yeah. like i said a good teacher learns 90 percent of the times or they're not relevant and mm -hmm. uh and i learn every single day i i love the social aspect of our business and i learn from jason i learn from tommy i learn from nick i learn from everybody i work with and mike uh, over on the of the hardware side and 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 and, and john and we got like four of them so i'm covering a lot of people with john and i gotta say kevin because we got three or four of those guys so uh, <laughs> yeah, a couple yeah. of mics a couple of marks oh, a couple yeah. mics and marks so yeah. we got it we got it all we got kelly we've got uh kara we got Brittany. so we've we've got a very diverse crowd and group that are all very passionate about what we do so i i feel like it's a privilege to work in the business and i enjoy giving back because of so many people that have given to me over the years, I think there's a certain feeling that you get that richness sometimes comes from that reward rather than monetary. And uh, at the end of the day, you're all going for the goal. And if you do your job right and, and whatever, that, that part will come too. But you have to build a foundation. And that foundation for me wasn't getting every penny out of a deal it was building a relationship that was four or five products long. And when we were the small guy, we had to, because we understood that, I mean, BioWare eventually sold to EA. We could have never paid for them what they you know, paid for them. We did the original deal with Silicon and Synapse, who became Blizzard, who got bought by Davidson, who then got bought, who merged in with Sierra and then bought, you know, by Activision. So, you know, I was involved and I didn't, I didn't regret what I did along the way. I may have lost out on the tail end of Tetris, but I've got that. I got it started. I got things going in the first place. And uh, I'm privileged to have been part of a lot of people's lives, hopefully in a positive manner.
And, Jason. And, 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 and Jay, I mean, I appreciate what you said earlier too, you know, just being, you, know, you need to be like a good person. And, 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 you know, and that's something that I've, I've tried to, um, you know, embrace even before I, you know, went into like the, the working world. But, you know, one of the things that, uh, and I'll say this, you know, for everyone that's still, you know, listening or, or eventually watches this, um, and it's a, it's a different view than I think a lot of people, you know, take in, in, in but I, I sort of adopted it very early on was that I always viewed our industry when you look at it if you step back and look at the thousand foot view you know our, our industry is sort of this you know working ecosystem it's it's a it's a life it's a life stream it's a, it's a living organism if you treat it that way then no matter what side or what company that you might be working in at any one given point in time in this business you should actually more view it as you are actually all of you, even your competitors, all of you are actually working for the same organism. You're just working from a different side of it. And at some point, you're going to need to shift to another part of the organism. And it's going to be a lot easier to do that when your, your organism doesn't already reject you as, as like a, an invader or something like that. And so I kind of took this view of like, look, uh, okay, I'm working at EA now and I know exactly who our, you know, our exact direct competitor is, but some, someday I may be supporting that side of, of, of our business. And, and so we're all working together. Actually, it's just that we're all working from different sides of it. And you have to realize that one day, you may want to get on that other side or you need to get on the other side or, you know, in, so again, not burning bridges, still maintaining, uh, you know, a good credibility, a good reputation, um, you know, uh, you know, trying to keep your, you know, egos or your, your quest for, you know, uh, more title or more this or more that trying to keep that stuff checked and trying to be more genuine, more humble, um, you know, sometimes being the unsung hero, you can still rack up tons and tons of impressive things that you've done in your career. You know, Phil, myself, you know, we have a lots of things that speak volumes, but, but some people still feel like they have to get all that plus make it a point that everyone knows that they have all that. And, 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 and you know, I'm not saying that that's right or wrong because um, everyone has a different style, but there, there comes a point where, you know, as you said, Jay, you know, you don't want to be that person where people basically don't want to pick up the phone and call you or don't want to really engage with you or don't really see how you add value because, you know, that's it's a, such a dis disappointing thing. If, you, if you're really so passionate about this industry, you know, embrace it, live it up, celebrate it, be a part of it, you know, make others a part of it, you know, relish in it. And, and then people will recognize that and want to keep you and make you also stay relevant as you go on in your career. And you, know, you don't want to be a fossil. You don't want to be. Hey, hey, hey. We all get into that point, Jason. I know. <laughs> I know. But, but my point is you don't want to, you know, extinct yourself. Right. You know, so, you know, just whether you do it by your own volition, that's one thing. But you don't want other people to say like, ah, 
I don't know. Like, you if, know, you, you know, if, if I if I were a Jake on on the two and a half man, I was going. Oh, he said organism. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, you know what, Jay? On a on a perfectly good note, I think the uh, the thing that you offer people, I didn't have when I started out in the business, and we didn't have somebody we could just call up and say, "How do you do business?" or "What do you can? Or, How can you help me?" or whatever. I didn't either. I know it's, but I, when I talked about when you called me and said, Hey, Phil, I, I, I'd like you to jump on to a keynote for you. And I says, I got this guy, Jason, I'm working with side by side. And he, we both offer something a little bit different and a little bit unique, but, but how quickly did I say, yes, I would do it. And, and a lot of it is just the simple fact that you give back, you are That's willing to spend too. that extra to the indie developer, indie business person, uh, I don't know how you could do any better than picking up the phone and calling you, Jay. I was happy that you called. Uh, I remember fondly uh, meeting you and you and I will be lifelong friends. And there's no question about it because you represent what I do and what's good in people. And I, that's why I was happy to do this. Uh, and I think Jason and you guys have kind of met each other. Good people should meet good people. I, I love that aspect of it. And I think that uh, I've been very fortunate to meet a lot of good people along the way. You can pick and choose who you do business with. Um, uh, and I've taken pride in at least a big percentage of the people I've run into say hi to me today. I can't think that there's many that don't, at least in the business world. So uh, it's a it's a privilege and, and pleasure to be in such a, a fun, dynamic industry that is still growing off the chart that I think may be the only thing that people consume more than our world is possibly food. And everybody has to have that. And hopefully eventually we'll get there where everybody I, plays video games. So I, I really and beer, and beer, and beer. can't tell you how much that means coming from, from you, Phil. I, I, Truly appreciate. It. And so, before I get like you know visibly emotional here, I'm I'm we've got one one final question, and and I want to hear this answer as well. So you both obviously have an eye for successful content, you know, with Tetris, SimCity, DDR. Are there any current or upcoming trends that you see in the industry, you know, that you're following closely? Jason, I'm going to be I'm going to be a gentleman. And let you go first. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I I think for me, and it, and it somewhat uh, directly ties into what we're doing right now and in television. Um, we as a as a company, you know, we sort of we've all been in the industry for for multiple decades in different capacities, and we've seen how it's evolved. We've seen how it's expanded. We've seen how it's um, you know diversified from an audience standpoint, and all those things are great. But one of the things that we also see is this industry, even though it will still continue to be this huge. Uh, dominating aspect of the entertainment business, it's it continues to be a self fulfilling prophecy, going down one narrative. And what I'm talking about is, let's let's just go with what has been the industry so far. It's always been a hardware race. It's always been a technology race. It's always been a content race. 
and 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 fortunately the audience the the largest consumers of video games that's exactly what feeds them you know they want the newest content they want the best uh graphics they want you know all these things but if we if we fast forward this 10 years from now 20 years from now 30 years from now there's going to be something that's going to happen sure gaming will still be big but the opportunity for gaming to be enjoyed by everyone or a larger group than who enjoys it 10 years from now or 20 years from now will become smaller and smaller and smaller because it's either gotten too expensive it's gotten too complex or it's quite honestly gone down a path of very specific games that don't speak to a, a larger audience and this is we already start to see this now why is i never thought you know i've been in the industry over 25 years phil even longer if you if you had pulled me aside the 20 year old uh, or the 20 year ago jason and and said hey in 20 years from now this is what's going to happen people are actually going to consume games more by watching them than playing them and I would have said you're full of shit. That's definitely never going to happen. People are still going to love our E plus ten rating, Jason. Sorry about that. But, <laughs> but this people... podcast, this podcast is, is never <laughs> E rated. I have the philosophy that you can't discuss this industry with any amount of truth and not curse along okay. the way. Well, it's I just... said I said the S one, but anyway, you were good. Uh, you're good. Jason. I, I would have never believed it. Yet, what is happening is that it's dominating viewership is dominated by watching granted some of that's led by esports and i understand why but when we talk about you know my nephew who just turned eight and you know yes he loves minecraft he loves you know spending hours and hours like i did when i was eight i didn't play i didn't have minecraft but i spent hours and hours playing games but like he also consumes tons and tons of hours watching games so it 20 years from now 30 years from now the amount of people that are going to actually be able to play games it's going to be so much less. It's going to be more consuming. So my point is the trend, the, the, to answer the question, I still hearken back to what we're doing at Intellivision, which yep. is it's not always about the, the, the market leader, best graphics, the technology edge. Sometimes it comes down to innovation, cool different design ideas, different uh, ways of playing games the engagement, the mechanics, the story, the creativity, like these are things that you can't steal over generations of time. They are, they are unique and, and, and they, they last forever. And, and those are the kinds of things I think as we go further, as this industry continues to mature and we, and as this industry continues to go down, unfortunately, I fear a very specific path that it's we are going to need more folks like an Intellivision and uh, maybe soon maybe new competitors to Intellivision that are answering the call of bringing still gaming to a larger uh, pool of, of players and opportunity for people to engage with it uh, with concepts and games that are very different from what is maybe the driving force from a revenue standpoint of the industry. So my point is, is that, you know, we have to continue to look for the unusual. It's considered unusual now, but it should actually be the norm. It should actually be 
the, 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 just, just another part of our business. And I fear that we're just putting all of our eggs in, in too many little baskets. We need to be looking at those other baskets. Yep. And we're, I mean, we're looking at I mean, what, to Jason's point, and I'll, I'll be brief that we're really <laughs> looking at, and, and not, not that you weren't Jason, that was actually good. I could not have said it that well. Uh, but we're looking at how people spend their leisure time. We're not just selling a game or game console. We're vying for people's leisure time, very affordable leisure time, I might add, at a relatively low cost. People can't go to the movie theater right now. We don't know how long before you can gather with over 100 or 500, but they can gather around the TV and Disney's new Mulan will debut on Apple TV, and, you know, and, or whatever. Apple I mean, bucks for a rental. Plus, yeah. uh, well, uh, for some people, um, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait till this third edition comes out. But anyway, uh, I think that that you know, when people look at, you know, here here we're selling to a three billion customer base, and in, in, on the mobile side, rather than a two hundred and fifty million, three hundred million base for the hardcore gamer. We're trying to make it so it's entertainment for everyone. It's gaming for everyone. We're not just selling one thing. And and somebody says, well, you know, but I can play I can play a game on mobile. Yeah, you see four different people sitting around a couch, each with their mobile game, not communicating, not talking. Our best memories, mine was was playing little league baseball. It's doing things with others. It is having fun together, bringing people, families together. And that's our, that's the trend we see today. That trend could change. Uh, certainly I'm excited about new PlayStation and Xboxes coming out because their graphics and sound are going to be better than ever. I just don't know if I'll know how to play them uh, on the buttons. I know I can pick up uh, uh, something simple, you know, and, and have a good time. And that's why we're after this particular trend because we see it's something that, uh, can benefit a lot of people. I guess that would be ours. And unless you have quite a few million dollars to develop for other platforms, you yeah. you independently, you can you know, do mobile games, but there's so many mobile games. We're very focused. And I think like Jason said, there'll be competitors to what we're doing, but we, we like that. We like building that market. It's a blast. Couldn't be happier. And I, just very quickly, is, I mean, because we kind of skirted this, you know, throughout the entire uh, session until just now. I mean, obviously, this this pandemic and the situation is is beyond um, difficult on on so many fronts, and it's it's a terrible thing that's happening. Um, but I mean, if there was any silver lining to it, um, is the fact that it's it's basically forced everyone into different ways of thinking, and not only in the way that we live our lives. And the way we value uh, our lives, but also, um, you know, in the way a business might still find a way to 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 get to weather the storm and 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 still provide uh, for you know for audiences out there. And so we've kind of entered into a you know uncharted territory um, in trying new business models um, that that I can honestly I don't think we would have ever gotten to. Maybe eventually, maybe like another 10 or 20 years where, you know, maybe Hollywood would have said, oh, you know, we spend so much time on a yearly basis, you know, uh, pushing distribution uh, of our film into theatrical uh, markets. But you know what? We're going to go day and date. You know, you'll be able to, you'll be able to VOD this 
you know, for 20, 30 bucks um, on Friday when it's also going to be in the theater. I don't think we would have seen that in, in, in any immediate point in time. Yeah. Yet now we see, and, and uh, not only do we see it now because of, of the situation, but it's also creating so much new data metrics um, and, and analysis that is just feeding into this engine that now Hollywood's saying, whoa, hold on, maybe we don't need to work so tough in securing distribution in, in theatrical, and maybe we can build a very sustainable revenue-generating yeah, business off of day and date. We got a huge uh, $500 million budgeted film for the summer. We're going bam, right there, and then family gets it, stays at home. Family time is being more valued more than ever because we have to sort of stay home. Uh, and embrace that. And so now we're just going straight to home. And and I think we're seeing it with games, obviously, because gaming is off the charts during this this situation, thank God, because we could have obviously been on a totally different side of that. And and people, you know, with not discretionary income or more worried about, you know, the economics of, of the future, maybe not being able to buy games. Fortunately, they've they've needed something to sort of fill time and and also uh, get the family together. So we've been fortunate there, but it's also opened doors and opportunities that we've never been faced with before. So I think this is another area that quite yet still hasn't played out what's all going to happen because of, of, of what's, what's transpired so far. But it opens amazingly new possibilities that I think we wouldn't have seen right off the bat or anytime soon. So. And, and whoever asked that question, I thank them. That was a, a good question. Uh, I don't know if we answered it very well because no. we kind of gave more of what we feel today, but uh, but that's a great question looking for the, the trends and maybe you can help set the trend. Well, all right, so I've got one final question from me before we, before we let you all go. It's been many years since I ran into Tommy at a conference. Is he yep. still wear the same outfits in the office that he used to wear? You know, <laughs> you're gonna get us in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he wears. He's Tommy. You he's talking about you a guy who's himself, and yeah. you can find Tommy yeah, in a heartbeat. Yep. Tommy wants to beat of his own drum. I love the beat. Just so you know, he's a music man. He is driven. He has passion. Uh, I think Jason and I would both agree. I'll speak for myself. I love being one of his wingmen uh, because he's so passionate about what he do does. And, uh, you know, he, uh, uh, he, he, he dresses with things that make him feel good. He, he it's proud, whether it's his jackets or his Spider-Man stuff or, or his collection. Uh, oh my gosh, what a passionate individual. Uh, he's an inspiration uh, to me, I, I so he, he probably won't like this if I say I want to be just like him when I grow up. Uh, but I actually am privileged to share the same birthday with Tommy. Uh, See, but uh, but you know what? You, it's one of those things. And and Ed Daly was the same way for years. Ed would Ed's a big dude. He's he's six three, six you know four, yep. and he wore Hawaiian print shirts at conferences. And you could find Ed the same yep. thing. You knew when Tommy came in the room. You know. Right there, it didn't blend in. You know, I was walking around in my little suit and everything, yep. like all the other little suits. And <laughs> it's, it's you have to have an identity. 
right, I have I, to at this point. Hey, Jason, let Jason answer this. Don't let yeah. me be the only one to hang up here. Yeah, yeah I'll just I'll, I'll touch on two parts. So Tommy and I both got into the industry in the same year in 1990, and um, I uh, I knew of him, but it, it took uh, it wasn't until 10 years later that I actually met him in person. So we we uh, over the years of knowing each other, we've shared some you know some stories of our past and how we got into the industry. Well, we came to the, the conclusion that when I first got into the industry and I knew of him, but didn't meet him or didn't know him uh, in person, that we were probably literally standing next to each other side by side at some conferences and didn't realize it. Um, and there's even one uh, story uh, in 1990 when I was working, uh, first got in the industry at Sega, um, I got to uh, Trilobite was working on a game called Seventh Guest, and I I went over there, talked, got a demo of the game, talked to the producer on the game. Unbeknownst to me, I find this out. I just found this out two years ago in talking to Tommy. Unbeknownst to me, that producer was actually Tommy's roommate at the time, and uh, and so I started engaging with this guy, and I was like, I love the music in the game. And Tommy actually worked on some of the sound design for that game. I also didn't know that at the time. And and I so I, I asked the producer, I said, hey, uh, this is how old this was. I was like, Could, would it be possible before the game comes out, because it's CD-ROM, and back then a lot of people didn't have CDs. I was like, hey, can you, can you uh, maybe send me some of the music on a cassette? Like, just, you know, dump some to cassette. And he was like, oh, yeah, maybe, or whatever. And so... Unbeknownst to me, he got out of his office, went over to Tommy's office, asked him to put together a couple of cassettes of music for the game. I ended up getting a cassette of the music from him, uh, from, from the producer. Well, come 20, 25 years later, Tommy and I are shooting the, the shit about old stories. Come to find out, he remembers this of someone, you know, his producer going into his room asking for the music. He wrote, he put together this cassette. I still have that cassette, by the way. Oh, wow. And I, and I took a picture of it and shared it with Tommy. And uh, I, you know, and, and so we've, we had this interesting story uh, uh, that we share of our past. But another, just very quick, because you asked about the outfits. Um, I remember it was probably, uh, you know, uh, five, six, seven years ago. I just got a Facebook memory about it not too long ago. Um, and it was like, oh, remember this story? You were at Brazil Game Show, and, uh, and Tommy was there. You know, he happened to be visiting. I think he had a video games live performance at the same time and kind of dovetailed it into Brazil Game Show. And it's so funny. Brazil Game Show is like Gamescom and E3 combined, and it's just massive. It's just ginormous amounts of people. And yet, somehow, you know, weeding through all those tons and tons of people, I'm like, there's Tommy. I see Tommy, <laughs> and so uh, it totally, even in Brazil, you even can in Brazil, I mean, That's, obviously, yeah. I don't look very Brazilian. Maybe Tommy could pass a little bit more with his Italian roots, but but needless to say, I was like, "There's Tommy," and so mm -hmm. it was so cool to see him, you know, in the whole other side of the world, and and we, you know, we had a chance to just you know chat for a bit, and then we went off our different directions. But uh, but yeah, knowing the guy now, you know, 20 years, over 20 years directly, but no, no, you know, we got in the industry 30 years ago, uh, together. Um, and now who it is my perfect encapsulation to this whole story of this whole, of this whole panel is that you never know ultimately who might be your, your CEO, you know, yeah. and, and who you might be working for and working together to do amazing things. And that's, 
that's what's so awesome about our industry. If you totally embrace it and be one of those people that can just can gel with everyone, it's it, magical things will happen. And, and so many people are fans of Tommy because he's given to so many people. He's, he's earned everything Absolutely. he's got in life. You talk about perseverance. You talk about hard work. You talk about passion. The guy absolutely, uh, he cares. He absolutely cares. He cares about people. He wears his heart on his sleeve at times. And, and, and you know, but at the end of the day, what he gives in times and he does all these uh, things on YouTube and interviews with all the in television fans and stuff like that. He gives of his time. And yeah. he whether they it. had a million followers or they only have 10. I mean, it's it, the it, fact it, that he, he, yeah, 14 year old kid the other day. It was awesome. I, I don't have I, very few people are at that level. And like I say, I aspire to be like Tommy when I grow up. So. Uh, like, like you all said, and it is very, very true. At the end of the day, we all are very fortunate to be able to do what we do. And, and we love it. You know, and, and that's yep. why we keep doing it. And, and it is going to these shows and, and you know, talking to the, the new developers and seeing that passion that, that keeps me doing this, you know, over and over. Um, but thank you both. I mean, absolutely so much. This has been I love fantastic. It. Yep. And glad you were able to do it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, keep, keep, on the business side, keep us keep us posted on the uh, on the Amico, and you know, we we know everything's getting bumped. That's the world right now. But I'm very much looking forward to seeing you know what you all have created because it's it's going to be fun, and I I know good people are behind it at the end of the day. Yeah, and and and, and thank you so much for that. Uh, we I mean we love the support, yep. uh, obviously, and you know these are. These are the common links that you know folks out there watching um, can learn more. Today we just had a very large uh, live stream go out, which you can go on our YouTube channel now, and that'll give you an amazing dose, really bring you up to speed on all the cool types of content and partnerships that we that we've got coming to the platform. Just a lot of exciting. You'll see our, you'll see, you'll see Phil and us uh, again. You'll get a double dose in the same day. I, I know that's probably on everyone's bucket list. Um, and, <laughs> and, uh, it'll be, a, it'll be a great way for you to, you know, really get up to speed on what we're doing and our vision for this platform. And, 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 you know, obviously I had to channel on my inner Tommy here and put this slide up as our shameless plug, but I think, it, you know, we would appreciate anyone out there that wants to see more and, and engage with us on our channels. I tried to paste that in there and it came out horrendously. So we'll put a link in the description. Um, and, okay. and it'll, it'll all be there. I'm going to run and grab some dinner before a uh, play NYC trivia competition that I'm in tonight. Uh, and then we're going to get up and do this all one more day too. So thanks for having us, Jay. Hey. I, I love it. I, I'm glad I got you two together. Um, anytime. You've got, Absolutely. Uh, if you have a specific just podcast you're doing, yeah. I'm sure Jason or I, either one, or if you want the dynamic duel, we come at a fair price. I'll, I, let me get through this week, which yeah. is probably going to <laughs> Same with us. result in me face planning in the bed all day Friday. But um, let me get through this week. And then, yeah, we'll absolutely get you get you guys back on the podcast. Thank you for yeah. what you're doing for the indies yeah, and business awesome. people. you got my reference any day of the week, buddy. Thanks, man. Yeah, it means right. a lot. All right. Y'all have a good evening. Take care. Thanks, Bye, Jay. everyone. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at IndieGame.Business.